the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ukraine Special Forces strike an ammo depot in Russian-controlled Crimea. President Volodymyr Zelensky vows to take it back. Crimea is Ukrainian and we will never repudiate it. Republican Liz Cheney loses a primary bid to challenger Harriet Hageman. I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. Dodge to drop the iconic muscle cars as part of a transition to electric vehicles. I don't know if it's a it's a good move. I think it's an inevitable move. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, August 17th. I'm Mike Scott. Crimea, the peninsula that was annexed by Russia in 2014 after an invasion, saw another blast at an ammo depot, its second in a week. The blast injured two, according to area reports. According to the Russian Ministry of Defense, the blast was due to sabotage. 2,000 residents around the area were evacuated and train service to Crimea was suspended. The PBS NewsHour's Nick Schifrin says that while Ukraine has not officially taken credit for the incident, some Ukrainian officials have taken to social media to applaud the attack. Ukraine didn't claim official responsibility, but on Twitter, minutes after the explosion, Presidential Chief of Staff Andrei Yermak quipped, the Ukrainian armed forces continue the demilitarization operation to fully rid our land of Russian invaders. Our soldiers are the best sponsors of a good mood. Crimea is Ukraine. Just last week, a massive cloud filled the sky after multiple explosions at a Russian airbase. Russia claimed it was an accident, but satellite images from the Saki airbase before and after the attack show burned earth and multiple fighter jets destroyed. Crimea and its beaches have long been summer tourist destinations. Last week, beachgoers had to flee the explosions... Schifrin reports that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has sworn to take Crimea back from Russia. President Volodymyr Zelensky vows to take it back. Crimea is Ukrainian and we will never repudiate it. We will not forget that the Russian war against Ukraine started with the occupation of Crimea and the Black Sea region cannot be a safe place while Crimea is occupied. Last week's attack on Saki Air Base was in Crimea's west. Today's was up north, just 30 miles from Russian-occupied Kherson. Ukraine vows to retake that district and the neighboring district, Zaporizhia. That's where Russia seized Europe's largest nuclear plant in early March. In the last week, Russian TV has shown rockets that fell inside the complex. Schifrin goes on to say that there is continued fighting around a key nuclear power plant. Russia blames Ukraine, but Ukraine says Russia has targeted the parts of the plant that send electricity to Ukraine and is now diverting the power to the Russian grid. 
Petro Kotin, president of the State Nuclear Authority, recently warned on Ukrainian TV that any accident could be larger than Chernobyl. The situation is very dangerous. We encountered such a situation at Chernobyl nuclear power plant, if you remember. But there's a very big difference here. There are six power units. All of them are filled with nuclear materials. There has never been a nuclear power plant on the front lines of a war. Everything depends only on the direction and strength of the wind. If Russia's actions lead to a catastrophe, the consequences may hit those who have yet remained silent. In the last few weeks, Russian forces have used the captured nuclear power plant to stage rocket attacks on Ukraine. It is because of this that many officials outside of Ukraine are worried that even if the nuclear plant isn't targeted, any kind of misfire would strike the reactor, causing a meltdown. Former President Donald Trump says that the Department of Justice has returned his passports that were taken by FBI agents who searched his Florida home last week. This news comes after media outlets like CBS incorrectly stated that the Justice Department did not have Trump's travel documents. The former president turned to his own social media platform, Truth Social, to say in part, quote, the DOJ and FBI just returned my passports. Thank you. Unfortunately, when they raided my home, Mar-a-Lago, eight days ago, they just opened their arms and grabbed everything in sight much as a common criminal would do. This shouldn't happen in America, end quote. A list that detailed the inventory taken from Trump's property did not mention passports, but it did show that the FBI had seized 27 boxes. The search warrant for Mar-a-Lago, which was unsealed Friday, indicates the Justice Department is investigating whether Trump broke three federal laws pertaining to official records, including the Espionage Act of 1917. After the search warrant and inventory were unsealed Friday, the former president claimed that the documents in question had already been declassified and that the FBI search was unnecessary. Ohio Representative Jim Jordan joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss the raid on the Trump home in Florida. The country knows that anyone with common sense and, and, and an objective look at things understands that you have this now a double standard or two standards. Uh, it was it even made more clear over the weekend. There was a great piece written by uh, Brooke Singman in, in, in Fox News where um, she talked about the Trump lawyers are saying that there is there's there's privileged information that that the uh, Justice Department has seized. And uh, the, the, the Trump team said, look, there's executive privilege information. There may be attorney-client privilege information there. There's privilege information. We don't want – you're not supposed to have that. But, look, we're willing to say, why don't you let some neutral third party like a retired federal judge examine that? And the Justice Department said no. Jordan says that, in his opinion, the Justice Department seems to decide who to investigate based on the individual's politics. Now, here's the interesting thing about that, Bob. I remember distinctly six years ago when I had a chance to question Hillary Clinton, I asked her the same question, only it was, it was flipped around. I said, you've got all 60,000-some emails. You're deciding which ones are, are personal, which ones that are work-related and we should get a chance to look at from your personal server. I said, would you be open to letting a neutral – I use the same language, a neutral third party like a retired federal judge examine those, those documents? 
and she said no. Like, the, the, so think about it. That they got to, she got to decide, and the Justice Department did nothing. Oh, that was fine. Now the Justice Department takes this information and they says, no, no, we're not going to do that. We'll decide. So just further underscoring how this there's a different standard depending on the politics of the individual who's being targeted. Jordan goes on to say that he believes that the raid was simply a pretext to find whatever they can on Donald Trump. Normally the case is the attorney gets to be present while they're doing the search. They said, no, you're out. We're going, and we have access to 58 rooms, if you remember what the search warrant said, 58 rooms in President Trump's uh, private residence, and we know that they were searching all over the place. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think all that gets litigated, but the truth is they now have it. They now have it, which sort of underscores this looks like it may have been just this whole uh, Archives and Records uh, Act uh, may have just been like that's what we're using as the pretext to get in there to, to look for whatever we darn well want Anything, to maybe right. able to find. The Ohio representative says that, in his opinion, the raid was cooked up because the public really isn't interested in the January 6th committee hearings. I think the Democrats understand that that committee is not accomplishing what they all said thought it was going to. And so, boom, here we go with this raid under the Records Act, literally on the heels of them realizing, oh, she's probably going to lose, and this committee is not getting where we, where we thought it was going to go. Very similar to what happened a couple years ago when Bob Mueller testified, and he was so terrible, and they realized, oh, my goodness, this Mueller stuff is not going to fly. The very next day is when the so-called anonymous whistleblower came forward and told us about the call between Vindman and, and, and President Trump. I mean, they, they, they don't miss a beat. If one thing's not working, they move on to something else to attack this guy. And, and I think we're seeing that same scenario play out here. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. Many critics point to analysis that shows the bill won't meaningfully reduce inflation and really is a mini Green New Deal that Biden wanted all along. The bill will devote billions toward fighting climate change, reducing prescription drug costs minimally, and cutting the deficit. The president says the Inflation Reduction Act, in his opinion, will affect Americans for generations. One of the most significant laws in our history. Let me say from the start, with this law, the American people won and the special interests lost. The president went on to explain that he feels the bill is not just about today. It's about tomorrow. It's about delivering progress and prosperity to American families. It's about showing the American and the American people that democracy still works in America, notwithstanding all the, all the talk of its demise. Not just for the privileged few, but for all of us. The president reiterated that progress is often slow on some of his agenda items, but it does happen. Presidents should be judged not only by our words, but by our deeds. Not by our rhetoric, but by our actions. Not by our promise, but by reality. And today is part of an extraordinary story that's being written by this administration and our brave allies in the Congress. The president says the bill points to his administration getting things done for the American people. And when it does, like today, people's lives are made better and the future becomes brighter, and a nation can be transformed. That's what's happening now. Daniel Turner is the founder and director of Power the Future, an advocacy group for America's energy workers. 
and join the Salem Radio Network to discuss the passage of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act and green energy mandates inside that have been signed into law. Yeah, if you noticed, the, uh, they, they extended the tax credit to electric vehicles. Quick little parentheses here. The average uh, electric vehicle owner makes $150,000 a year. Right, so these are not your, your your typical car that your average American drives. Right, these predominantly are the car of the very wealthy. Um, but they extended the tax credit for and, and God knows how much longer, and it's a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit to buy an electric vehicle. Within the week of announcing that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit, Ford and GM announced they're raising prices on electric vehicles eighty five hundred dollars. Right, just a, a pure coincidence. So, you, yeah. you know, you want to say, like, is, is any of this green stuff, is it really about saving the earth or is it really just about the other green, which is just money? It is people making money on wind and solar. It is people making money on electric vehicles. It's just one giant financial scam. Turner says that what electric vehicles are supposed to save in the environment is outweighed by the negative environmental impact it takes to produce them. The supposed savings to the earth that an electric vehicle does is completely offset from their production. And that's not taken into consideration when they call them, quote unquote, green. They're not taking into consideration how much electricity they need. And this is a group that is opposed to nuclear. They're opposed to natural gas, let alone coal. And so we don't have the electric grid to power these these electric vehicles. I have nothing wrong with them in principle, right? I mean, technology is cool and 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 they're getting better every year, and that's fantastic. Let the marketplace decide. But right now, they are totally subsidized by and propped up by taxpayer dollars um, and by these absolute mandates. Turner points to the proposed mandate by California Governor Gavin Newsom, who said that his state will try to eliminate gas-powered cars by 2035. Take, for example, the governor of California, who said by the year 2035, it will be illegal to own a gas, a gas-powered vehicle. That statement, and we could do a whole three-hour show, Chris, just on that. That statement for a, a governor of, of a pretty important state is so asinine and so ridiculous. It shows you how disconnected uh, Gavin Newsom is from reality, that when he looks at the 40 million people or so who live in that state and the amount of trucks and farm equipment and and. And he says no more gas powered, no more combustion engine by 2035 in California. That it, it, it is so dumb. It is it's offensively dumb. And these are the people who I battle every day. You're like, no wonder why I'm bald, Chris. Right? I'm going insane dealing with these absolute morons on a daily basis. More voters still have a negative perception of Attorney General Merrick Garland than view him favorably, and don't think he's doing a better job than his predecessors. Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent, Bernie Bennett, has more on the polling numbers. A new national telephone and online survey by Rasmussen Reports finds that 36% of likely U.S. voters have a favorable impression of Merrick Garland, including 22% who have a very favorable view of him. That's up from 30% who viewed Garland favorably in October. However, 42% now view Garland unfavorably, up from 39% in October, including 32% who have a very unfavorable impression of the Attorney General. Another 21% are not sure. The survey of 1,000 likely U.S. voters was conducted on August 11th and 14th. The margin of error was plus or minus 3% with a 95% level of confidence. Bernie Bennett reporting. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney, a leader in the GOP resistance to former President Donald Trump, has lost her re-election bid. 
Two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear. But it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. Cheney seemed to take the loss in stride as she vowed she would still work to try and keep Donald Trump from office. I have said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office, and I mean it. This is a fight for all of us together. I'm a conservative Republican. I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded. I love its history, and I love what our party has stood for. But I love my country more. So I ask you tonight to join me. As we leave here, let us resolve that we will stand together, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, against those who would destroy our republic. They are angry and they are determined, but they have not seen anything like the power of Americans united in defense of our Constitution and committed to the cause of freedom. There is no greater power on this earth. And with God's help, we will prevail. Thank you all. God bless you. Cheney lost to Harriet Hageman, Cheney's Trump-backed opponent. Meantime, former Trump administration official and Salem radio host Sebastian Gorka weighed in and talked about his opinions on Cheney's failed election strategy. Down in double digits, and it's not just double digits, it's 20 or 30 points, and even you'll have uh, a desperate ploy to get Democrats to vote for you in a Republican primary in a state where you don't have that many Democrats who would cross over the party line. It is Gorka's opinion that Cheney's involvement in the January 6th committee worked against her in the race. She was going in this never-Trump direction before the committee. Let's remember how she voted on impeachment. So it seemed it's hard to understand the logic of it, but it was a, a progression in a given direction. I think her behavior on the committee sealed her fate. So if she cares about the lack of her political future, she probably does regret it. Dodge has announced it will discontinue its gas-powered Challenger and Charger muscle cars at the end of next year as it starts a transition to electric vehicles. Since being resurrected in the mid to late 2000s, the Charger and Challenger have remained ever-popular vehicles for gearheads. This Challenger owner, Sean Goodman, says he's bitterly disappointed by the news. It is a little disappointing because... I wouldn't change it for anything else. So I keep it the way it is, definitely. When you get in it, it hugs you, seriously, the way the seats are made and everything. NBC reporter Jason Kelthorpe says that the vehicle is very popular among citizens of one particular U.S. city. 
One glance left or right on Metro Detroit roads and freeways, and you know Sean is not alone in his love of the Challenger. Along with the Charger, they've been very popular since they were reintroduced 15 or so years ago. That's why so many have been surprised by the news they're being phased out for electric versions. Peter DiLorenzo of AutoExtremist.com says it may not be the smartest move, but because of government intervention in the market, in his opinion, it was inevitable that the shift would be toward electric. I don't know if it's a it's a good move. I think it's an inevitable move. You know, I don't think uh, Chrysler had a choice. I think they had to uh, put their stake in the ground and they want to keep their muscle persona going. And I wouldn't be surprised if they debut an um, EV muscle car with 850 horsepower. 45 years ago on Monday, music icon Elvis Presley passed away. Presley's ex-wife Priscilla Presley is sharing brand new details about the king. Priscilla Presley dropped a bombshell about something he did not love during his career, the classic Elvis Beach movies. Presley tells NBC's Today Show the hardest part of watching the new Elvis film was seeing how Elvis's career could have been so much more. He wanted to do movies and serious movies. And Colonel Parker just, you know, he should have really probably, probably stayed a publicist because he just didn't have, he, he didn't take Elvis where he wanted to be. And that was hard because I lived it. Priscilla Presley says she made her peace with Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, a long time ago. There was two colonels. There was the colonel who was the manager, and there's colonel that was, you know, very, very sweet and very, very nice. Presley says it warms her heart that people are still fans of Elvis 45 years after his death. To see the amount of people that still come to see Elvis is un- unbelievable. We had the uh, vigil last night, the candlelight vigil, with 30,000 people showed up. And finally, Colossal Biosciences, the Texas-based company that has proposed bringing back the woolly mammoth, has now announced that it has started working on the de-extinction of the thylacine, better known as the Tasmanian tiger. The Tassie tiger is one of Australia's most iconic species. However, the thylacine population declined dramatically on the mainland, due to hunting by humans and competition with the dingo. Professor Andrew Pask of the University of Melbourne says this is an exciting time. So this is obviously a really grand challenge. You know, this is uh, part of a new area of science called de-extinction science, where we now have the technologies to actually do this. So we're able to actually access tissue from extinct animals or cells from extinct animals extract the DNA from those specimens. So that's that that blueprint or the code that tells you how to build that animal. And we're able to actually now sequence and access that code and read it for the first time. Pask explains that the Tasmanian tigers were hunted to extinction due to the erroneous belief that the tiger would hunt sheep. So the last animal went extinct in 1936. And it went extinct because when European men first came down into Tasmania, 
they identified the, the Tasmanian tiger as a predatory animal that was going out and hunting and killing other animals. And they thought that it was uh, going to potentially kill their sheep and they were all wanting to move into these places as big sheep farmers. And so they aggressively went out and hunted this incredible animal to extinction over the course of a very short period of time. Pask goes on to explain how de-extinction science works. So what we have to do, the way that de-extinction science works, is you look around in living animals today and try and find a living animal that is the closest relative to your animal that went extinct. So for us with the Tassie tiger, it's actually a really small little mouse-sized marsupial called a fat-tailed dunnart. So they're like a little grey mice with big black eyes, really cute. Um, and they're the closest living relative to the Tasmanian tiger. They are carnivores, obviously not an apex predator being this big, uh, but they'll, they'll certainly try and bite your finger off when you pick them up for sure. So they've got that aggressive spirit in them, which is good. Um, so basically what you have to do then is you sequence the genome of your closest living relative that's alive today. And you compare that to your extinct animal, to your Tasmanian tiger, and you figure out everywhere where there are differences between those two genomes. And then what we do is we go in with our living cells from our fat-tailed dunnart and we edit in all of the places that they're different in a Tasmanian tiger. So we're essentially turning our dunnart cells now into a Tasmanian tiger cell. Pask says that his team isn't the only one working on the de-extinction of animals. So I think it will be about another decade before we have that thylacine cell. And then we're starting that second part of the project of then turning that cell into a living animal. We're working on those parts right now. So hopefully by the time we get our thylacine cell, we've figured out all the other bits about how to turn that cell into a living animal. So we hopefully we'll be ready to hit the ground running. But yeah, I think around a decade is really a reasonable time frame to think that we will be uh, seeing some of these. You know, we're not the only lab working on de-extinction. There'll definitely be within the next decade I would think, a few different animals that are de-extincted across the globe. So I think this is definitely an interesting space to watch to see, you know, which animals are going to be coming back. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.